Bisping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help in the feed. Takes it right to the rack. And P. Another day, another week goes by, and we have another episode of the Feed to Embiid. What's going on, everybody? Austin Krell with you, as always, for this program. I bring back to you, once again, um, Kai Carlin of the Sixers Wire. It's like, it's it's kind of as if, like, like if this is the, the Hoop Collective with Winhorst, yeah. Kai is sort of like my Bond Temps or my McMahon, except <laughs> Kai would have some partners. He would just kind of like hop in and laugh awkwardly. Kai, <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm good, my bo- I'm good, my boy. I'm good. How about yourself? Can't complain. You know, it's it's the, it's officially the off season. We have some downtime now. Um, you know, the, the, it's, 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 we're living nice. I get a little extra sleep every day, so it's good. Um, it's hard coming up with content these days. No, it definitely is. It definitely is. It's that time of the year where you got to start coming up with, with stuff off the top of your head, man. Yeah. Just have to. Yep. But fortunately for our viewers today, both live and on the recording, we do have some topics to discuss, obviously, most notably, the NBA Finals have concluded. Um, we have our champion. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis proved everybody wrong. Although I don't know where you stood on him, but I was pretty confident the Bucks were just not good enough to win, and they obviously proved me wrong. Where I don't I don't remember where you were on all that. I didn't have any confidence in the Bucks either, but it wasn't because of Giannis. For me, it was Coach Bud and um, the supporting cast around him. It was never a Giannis thing because I always thought Giannis was, you know, a generational type of talent. Um, and it, and just like, I just, I always thought Budenholzer was kind of holding the Bucks back. It just, because you, you always kind of look at Budenholzer's resume and not just with the Bucks, but with Atlanta as well. There just kind of seemed to be too many times when a Budenholzer coach team, when the playoffs roll around, he just, he wouldn't adjust. Things just wouldn't go well in his way. He wouldn't react to it the, the right way. And the Bucks, whoever or whatever team he was coaching, was just kind of screwed. So it wasn't really necessarily me um, bagging on Giannis because I, I never really blamed him. For me, it was always Bud and the supporting cast. But, I mean, listen, give the Bucks credit. They had a hell of a run. Um, and then I thought once they beat Brooklyn, Austin, I, I knew they were going to make the finals because I didn't give Atlanta much, much of a shot against Milwaukee. Um, I didn't give them much of a shot against Phoenix. I had Phoenix in six, but uh, I mean, again, give the Bucks a ton of credit. They 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 had a hell of a run this postseason. Yeah, I think I think like the one thing that I kind of took into account this season more than ever before was the 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 team with the home court advantage winning in six probably isn't a likely outcome, just because. The home team is either gonna the team with home court advantage is either gonna win in five or on their own on their home court, and then they're gonna have to fight like hell to win it in six because they're gonna have the team with the back against the wall in their own building playing with you know all, all kinds of energy, 
And so it's really going to come back to either five or seven games. And I said the Suns in six. Um, and I'll tell you, the, the, the credit to the Bucks. I mean, they just played um, insanely well. They, they, they battled back from adversity all playoffs. Um, I think they, they, they dismantled the Heat in four, although they almost lost game one. Um, they w- went down 2-0 to the Nets in blowouts and really almost went down 3-0 to the Nets. Um, they go down 1-0 to the Hawks. They went down 2-0 to the Suns, and here they are, NBA champs. Um, it's a, it's truly a, a, a token of their resilience and a testament to how strong they were mentally and how much they believed in one another. Um, but I think, like, yes, they totally earned it. We'll get into more, like, Giannis and Drew and Chris Middleton and whatnot. For you, for you, where did the Suns lose this championship? For me, they lost it when Drew Holiday decided to defend Chris Paul. <laughs> um, I, I know you said we'll, we'll get to Drew and everybody else later, but I feel like we have to kind of point that out. I feel like in game one and game two, Paul really got whatever he wanted. And um, I'm not really sure how often in game one and two Holiday defended Paul. But it seemed like Holiday was just kind of his primary defender from like game three on. And even though Holiday had an up and down series offensively, I mean, I think he shot four for 20 in game four. Even though he shot four for 20 in game four, I felt like he had a really huge impact on that game um, just because of the way he harassed Paul into like a, a couple of turnovers and a couple of really bad plays we don't necessarily see from a guy like, you know, Chris Paul. And it wasn't just that. I feel like Holiday on the offensive end, even though he was struggling, he demanded so much attention from the Suns because everybody knows that Drew can shoot the three ball pretty well. So I felt like even though he was struggling, he still demanded a lot of attention from Phoenix on, um, on that end of the floor as well. So for me, heading into the series, I did say Holiday was the X factor. And I felt like he just he performed his role really just from beginning to end, like as, as well as anybody could. So for me, it was, it was when holiday stepped up and started defending Chris Paul, like just primarily from the, from the jump. Yeah. I, I thought the buck of uh, the Suns lost the series when Sharich got hurt. And I know oh, the homie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yeah, he's not a featured player by any stretch, but I think, when and I think Danny Green like exemplifies this for Sixers fans especially like when you have a guy that's sort of a, a fixture in your rotation um, who's a glue guy in a lot of ways, not having him not only forces a guy up in the rotation that maybe wouldn't have been in in, in such a high leverage role, but it also it kind of messes up your chemistry like it did for the Sixers, right? Um, and so I think like not having Dario, even though he's not like this big you know, featured superstar name in their in their team. He was their backup five for most of the season. He was their stretch five. And it was just a really good, you know, different look and sort of change in how the, the game was played for the for the Suns, but with, within the game that they that they played on, you know, a night to night basis. And so I think um I, you know, I, I really think not having that stretch big forced them to make a decision like, do we go extra small with Tory Craig or with Jay Crowder or you know, whom, or Cam Johnson, whomever else, um, or do we, um, you know, do 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 we go with a guy like Kaminsky? And I think, 
like Kaminsky had a good had like a decent game last night, but I think he's called Frank the Tank for a reason because he moves with the agility of a tank. Right, right. He's slow. He's very, yeah. very slow on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. So it was sort of like this, like that. It was just the decision of like, do we like put Kaminsky out there and try to trap in the pick and roll, and then they're gonna just like blow by him every time, or do we go with guys that are more able to lo- that are able to move better laterally, but there's forfeit size and hemorrhage points at the paint and hemorrhage and hemorrhage, you know, re, uh, the offensive rebounds for the bucks and, you know, give them defensive rebounds whenever they need them. Um, so I thought that was a massive, massive turning point in the series. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Just, just because it was like Monty Williams was really scrambling to kind of figure out how he was going to go with rotations. Um, I thought I didn't. I think in game one he actually turned to Frank, right? Like after Dario went down, he actually went to Frank right away. But it kind of saw as the series went on, um, he was just trying a couple of different things, and I think he went to Tory Craig after that, and then Craig then got hurt. Um, so it was just kind of like the Suns really kind of got screwed in, the, in that sense. But I, I do feel like Kaminsky played well enough in Game Six to where you could have just kind of threw him out there because Kaminsky can also shoot the ball. You know, Frank can also step out and he can knock down a three-pointer. So Mm -hmm. I I just – I don't know. I feel like for me, like as the series kind of continued on, uh, Drew played well. I thought Chris Middleton played very very well throughout this whole series because this was the time where Middleton really had to step up for Giannis and really provide that number two scoring option. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the meme. I'm sure you have. But, like, Middleton only has, like, two – phases he's either Kyle Kuzma or he's prime MJ and I thought that was the funniest meme because like it's kind of true there are games Middleton will score like you know 38 40 points but then the next game he'll score like 15 (laughs) so it's kind of like you know the fact that they were able to kind of get a consistent Middleton throughout this whole series I thought was another really huge huge thing as well he was huge in game four you know like Middleton I was it game three um either way Middleton was Middleton was great um, Drew's, Drew's defense in, in game five, I thought was a huge difference in Phoenix to steal um, against Devin Booker and then the perfect pass to Giannis to kind of throw, to kind of close that game out. Um, I thought it was really, I thought that was huge. So I, I, I look at Milwaukee, they had a hell of a run. But heading into next season, I will say this, Austin, um, if Brooklyn's healthy, like if, if Kyrie, Durant, and Harden were healthy for that round two series, I, I think the Nets would have won easily. That bus. Yeah, they were like, a, they were like literally, like a Durant cutting off his toe. Yeah, away from away away from 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 drastically altering the course of history. And yeah, right. Budenholzer probably doesn't have a job. Uh, next, like that was like like that that was literally a matter of inches in in terms of changing like the next two or three years of the NBA. Right. And, and how, sure. that, how that could have been a domino effect. It's crazy. Um, when how that how that happens sometimes? Um, what do you think happens with CP3? Philly guy nineteen says we will talk about that a little later in the program. Um, let's go to sort of the the, the Buck side of things is um, you know they won the championship, but how they do it? And I think like obviously Middleton was was sensational, hit a lot of tough contested shots uh, from the perimeter, and was really a closer for that Bucks team down right. the games. Um, and I think the reason he gets passed on so much, and I was, and I, when I did a radio spot last week, I kind of alluded to this, but I think his worst game, like his floor game, it kind of 
is like looks like a role player, if that makes sense. Like his worst game, he's getting like eight points on four of 15 shooting. He looks very passive, whatever. And it kind of just blends in with your run of the mill bench guy. His best right. game we got his best game is a superstar. Like that that's what his best game is. So I think the fact, I think the thing the fact that he can like kind of go into these you know, like he'll have one game where he looks kind of like he's a regular human being, and the next game where he, like, oh yeah, this guy's really fucking good at basketball. Um, he's either Kyle Kuzma or Prime MJ. He's yeah. he only got two phases. Right, right. No, you're right. It's like it's, it's exactly what he is. Um, so I think that's why kind of like he isn't as future featured in the in the conversation, or isn't as featured in in the in the scheme of like who you give credit to. But um, Giannis, I thought was amazing and not yeah. for the typical reasons. Like obviously the 50 burger is an iconic game right. and it's, you know, one of the best performances to win a championship I've, I've ever seen. But I, I, I think like what we saw out of him and what stars that are striving to get to that stage can take from it is he was humble enough and trusting of his teammates and his team and coaching staff and the culture that they've built in Milwaukee enough where he was okay with not being the, you know, like not being the, 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 the really the, the typical uh, notion of what a superstar is. And he wasn't like, you know, settling for a lot of jumpers he wasn't playing so much on ball. He was setting a lot of screens in this series. He was battling in the paint, just playing really, really physical basketball. Yeah, and he wasn't taking bad shots like he has a lot in the past, and like I and I like I've criticized him for in the past. And I thought he really bought into playing a different brand of basketball than what he usually plays, and he was willing and able to be successful and buy into this different type of role for the sake of winning a title. And it, it, it worked. His team wins. And I, and I think for that reason, you know, it, it should be at all that much sweeter of a championship for him. He should be sleeping very well every night this summer uh, because he, you know, he, he was the embodiment of, of humility in the modern superstar athlete. I thought in the series. No, for sure. And I, and I felt like Milwaukee's run kind of like from beginning to end. Um, if you want to go back even around one against Miami, it, it was just, that was their revenge tour because Miami obviously beat them in the bubble last year. Um, and in my opinion, I'm pretty sure your opinion as well, Miami probably shouldn't have beaten Milwaukee in the bubble last year. Milwaukee was, you know, the better team talent-wise. I don't know. I mean, I like Eric Bledsoe sucks. <laughs> and I think That's a good point. That's a good point. Eric Bledsoe's <laughs> not good at basketball. So <laughs> That was the Eric Bledsoe bowl, and here he is sitting on his couch watching it from afar. <laughs> I know. I know. It was terrible. I look at Miami, though, man, and I, I will say this. I feel like Miami was better than what they showed this year. I feel like the short off season. And the injuries, yeah, I feel like the Heat are going to be back, but that, but that's another conversation. But Milwaukee was able to take care of business there and start the revenge tour. Then they went up against Brooklyn. Um, things obviously did go their way in that series, but that, but that's every title run. You know, things are just going to go your way during a title run, and I feel like a lot of people need to kind of realize that. People are always like, oh, they got lucky. Well, I mean, luck is involved a lot in some title runs. The Bucks took advantage of it. Then you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they lose Game One at home to Trey Young and the Hawks. And, you know, they, they bounce back and they take care of business. I remember Giannis didn't play game four, game five, game six. 
So that you know they missed Giannis, you know, for half that series, and they were still able to pull it out thanks to you know guys like Middleton and Brooke Lopez played well. Bobby Portis, Bobby Crazy Eyes Portis was able to to make some really big plays for them as well. I love, I love I love Portis. He, he 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 would be a guy who would be very good in Philadelphia. If we're gonna be honest, he, oh, would, he, would, be, he would be vibing out hard in Philly. He'd be he absolutely would. Yes. He'd be great. Then yes. you're in the finals and you're down 0-2 to the Phoenix Suns, and they're, and they're, and again everybody's writing you off, and the Bucks were able to kind of regroup together and they were just showed off a lot of resilience and they're able to get the job done in that area. So I feel like Milwaukee's run just from beginning to end kind of proved a lot of resilience because they were down 0-2 to Brooklyn. They were down 3-2 to Brooklyn. They were down 1-0 to Atlanta. Um, and then they were down 0-2 to Phoenix uh, in the finals. And they were still able to find a way and come out on top of this championship run. Uh, I, I think the whole thing was just really, really impressive. And I feel like you have to give a lot of credit, not only to Giannis, um, but really, I will give Mike Budenholzer his flowers as well. I thought Budenholzer, you know, pushed the right buttons a lot. Um, I'm actually surprised he went to Jeff Teague as much as he did because I don't think Teague is kind of like that a, a rotational player as much. Dude, as, Jeff Teague is an NBA champion. This is a good point. I mean, listen, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague was an All Star under Bud in Atlanta. So I mean, you know, Je- we got to talk about All Star Jeff Teague, All Star and NBA champion Jeff Teague. I mean, think about um, it, like. Kyle Korver, Paul Millsap, uh, Al, Horford, Al Horford, Jeff Teague. Yeah. And the champion is Jeff Teague. <laughs> yeah, out of those four guys, yeah, Jeff Teague's the champion. Yeah. Um, you know, now I'm thinking about it, are Teague and Korver the only one of those four to play in an in a NBA Finals? Yep. Yeah, I think they, yeah, I think they are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Millsap and Horford haven't made it yet. So yeah. and and Corver obviously made it with Cleveland. Yeah, that yeah, that's crazy. Maybe if maybe if Horford like stops clapping and just doesn't dumb and just plays good basketball, maybe he'll get there someday. But I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, Al Horford's back in Boston, so we'll have to we'll have to see what he does there. You do you think that first game between him and Embiid, Embiid just gonna like have like steam coming out of his ears? Like he's gonna be like, I'm going to to end your career right here. I can't wait for the first six or Celtics game next year. Oh. I can't wait for it. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying about Jeff Teague, uh, go ahead. But, yeah, going back to Jeff Teague, I thought Boonholzer kind of like, you know, he showed he showed some faith in Jeff Teague. I thought Teague played all right. He struggled a little bit with his shot, but he was able to get into the paint, make make things happen. He was quick with it. And, um, you know, Teague, that, that move kind of played off uh, – played – or proved well, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Brent Forbes played his role well. Pat Connaughton is another guy who played his role well, you know, as an athletic guy off the bench. He can knock down threes. Connaughton was good. Um, just it was a hell of a run for the Bucs. Give them a lot of credit. Um, but he, and, and, like, here's the difference between them and Philadelphia. Uh, just like and, – and we've all been saying this for the past, like, it seems like for the entirety of the Embiid-Simmons era, they don't have a shot creator. They're like, the Bucs have a couple of them. And you know, like, 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 that's going to be the difference for the Sixers moving forward. You need a shot creator. You need it. I mean, we'll get into that topic in a couple of minutes here. Um, let's go to. It's a good question here. The Chris Paul question. Um, what do you think happens with CP3? I, I mean, I'm like, I'm like very confident he's going to stay in Phoenix. I don't have any like. There's that's just me speculating. But I mean, I don't know why he would leave. He got to his first finals and. Like maybe if he doesn't hurt it, maybe if he doesn't have that wrist injury flare up, they win the title. So I mean, you know, yeah. Like I'm looking at Chris Paul, and I, 
I don't see any reason why he would leave Phoenix. You know what yeah, I'm saying? He, he's not taking the 9.5 like taxpayers MLE to go play for the Lakers. <laughs> right, right. Like, like, like I saw that report, and, and what Lakers have, they have like nine and a half million or, or something like that to offer oh, him. Oh god, dude. And and just it's just like no. Every and, off season we do this. Every single off season, a reporter says that Chris Paul is in top, like the Lakers are potentially a place for Chris Paul. It's without fail every single off season. Every, every time and it never has ever happened i think i saw one with the lakers also going after russell westbrook as well like like I, I saw that they were in the running for both paul and westbrook as if they need less shooting than they already have yeah exactly like 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 westbrook's not a shooter either so i mean knock it off like like none of these make sense simmons for um, simmons would never happen the yeah, that, would never yeah that, that, that that's that's not happening yeah uh, but something uh, else it, might happen Something else might happen, but Simmons for CP3 is not going to be one of those things. Yes. Um, now, before but, we um, go ahead. Just, just like looking at Chris Paul's career, this was probably his last shot at winning a title because I don't know if Phoenix can realistically get back there next year. Um, <laughs> they could. They could. But think about it, though. I mean, like, they, 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 they had a lot of things go their way in the Western Conference as well. I mean, they played the Lakers without a, with an unhealthy AD, you know, and, and an unhealthy LeBron. A Disney. Yeah. Huh? A Disney. Hey man, don't do that. Don't don't <laughs> don't do that. Don't you dare disrespect Anthony Davis like that. I'll tell you this. People, you know, you can have the trolls say Mickey Mouse this, Mickey Mouse that, all you want. Um, this was as real of a title, I think, as as you can get in terms of just in terms of like team. And a, a buy-in and overcoming adversity, like sure, the Nets didn't have Kyrie and James Harden. The Nets also leveraged their entire depth to get James Harden. This that was the risk they took, and it failed them. Um, but listen, and- like my thing is though, like people always people always try to discount every title, and I feel like every title in history in the history of this game is completely earned. Yeah, like, like listen, like listen, even the Warriors ones with KD. And, and Steph and Clay, like like you still have to go out there and beat these teams. These yeah. guys are still, these guys are still professional athletes who can do the same things they can. Maybe not on the same level, but they are still professional athletes. At the end of the day, they they play basketball for a living. They're professional basketball players. So, like like even when everybody was trying to discount like LeBron's title last year uh, in the bubble, like that's probably one of the more hardest titles you could win because you were away from your family for how long? Three months. Right, and, and in isolation and down there in the bubble, like that sucked. Um, so, like the way I see it is like, like every title to me is just like like earned, and, and you know, like you you can you can discuss like if a, if a title is um if one ring has bears more weight than another, um, but I mean at the, at the end of the day though, like you still have to earn every single championship you go out there and and, and win. So, uh, yeah, the, this Bucks title run was absolutely it, it was great. It was great for them. But my thing with Phoenix is, though, um, that this was I, – I didn't expect them to get this far, Austin. I remember when we were talking about pre-playoffs because this was their first title run. This was the first run that they, they went into the playoffs. So besides Paul and Crowder um, and Sharich, really, nobody else in that roster had playoff experience. It was the first time for Booker, the first time for Bridges and and, um, and Aiton and, and, you know, a lot of their main, main pieces – and so going into next year, if they have to play Lakers again with a healthy Davis and healthy LeBron, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Lakers. And if you got to play Denver with a healthy Jamal Murray to help out Nikola Jokic and, and everybody else, I'm, 
I'm taking Denver. <laughs> if you're going up, if you're going against the Clippers with a healthy Kawhi Leonard, I'm taking the Clippers. I think I think my favorites come out of the West or the Suns again. That's probably my favorites. See, I can't I, I can't get on board with that because I, I, like I will never doubt a healthy LeBron. I, I just won't. Sure, I, I, I don't care if LeBron's fifty. If that man is healthy, <laughs> give me a healthy LeBron every time. LeBron's gonna be like, like, just. I mean, he won't. He won't be applying for social security because he obviously doesn't need social security. Yeah, he doesn't need it. He doesn't yeah. need it. But he'll be like in the, at that age where he's eligible to do so, and he'll still be winning. He'll still be getting to the NBA finals. Right. Right. Um. Now, before we get into uh, a, a certain guard that the Sixers could trade for that isn't CP3, a quick word from our sponsors. Um, do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning tenant parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole under under a second. There's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTACOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Um, so late last week on Friday, new rumors coming out about Damian Lillard. Um, it's it, it, uh, Henry Abbott of True Hoops I would, uh, says that Lillard's expected to request a new uh, some sort of trade in the coming days. Um, and then about an hour later, Barry Bonds, <laughs> who is a rapper, <laughs> I didn't know, um, says that his teams are his his request his preferred teams are the Knicks, the Lakers, the Warriors, the um, Heat, and then Quentin Mayo of formerly of NBC Sports Washington says the Sixers are one of the teams, and then Barry Bonds adds that. Sixers are one of the teams. So it's all kinds of rumors going on here. A bunch of check marks convert, con- confirming each other. So we'll, we'll see what's real and what isn't real. Um, I do know that I've listened to podcasts, you know, in, 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 in the last couple of days. And Keith, our boy Keith, is – it seems like he kind of has, some, you know, a relatively high chance of, of, of Lillard getting traded. Um, to the Sixers. I'm curious what you think about Lillard getting traded to the Sixers. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think after you go. I mean, I actually – I saw Kevin O'Connor um, of, of the Ringer report that the Sixers are still aggressively pursuing Dame Lillard, and they should, as they should. Because in my opinion, Austin, a, a Dame lillard Joel Embiid pairing puts them like, back back at the top of the East. Yeah. Be, be, because between Lillard's ability to create his own look – have the guts to take those shots late in the fourth quarter, um, like that. That's that changes everything. And yeah. then, and then combining obviously with the immense domination of what Embiid does on a nightly basis. Um, do I think the Sixers trade for him? I'm going to give them a 25 percent chance, and here's why: because Lillard, sure, Lillard is frustrated in Portland. And rightfully so, they really haven't really become close to a championship. The closest they got was 2019, 
when they made the Western Conference Finals, but they were then swept by a Kevin Durant with Golden State Warrior yeah, team. They really weren't even that close then. <laughs> yeah, they really weren't even they were really weren't even that close. But the point is, like that's the closest that they that they've gotten. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what was crazy is I think the Blazers in all those games, Austin had like a double digit lead, and they just couldn't couldn't hold on to it. <laughs> so. Um, like, like that. With the Sixers, then it's a perfect match. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he really would. He would fit here perfectly. So I look at Lillard, and uh, but I mean, here's the thing, though. This dude has remained absolutely 100% loyal to the to, two of the Trailblazers, and I feel like he's given them chance after chance after chance. He's kind, he's kind of like it. Just it feels like to me that he's that he'd be willing to go out on a limb and give this team kind of one more run or something. And then next summer, you know, we're sitting here in July of 2022, um, think, you know, having the same conversation again. And then I would buy into it a little bit more. Like I would buy into Dame leaving Portland a bit more because O'Connor even did report that team executives don't believe the Blazers trade him. Like they, they're just they're going to they're keep him and, and try again. So that like that, that's always my big thing when it comes to um, like Lillard. I just. He, the, the man has been loyal to Portland his entire career. So I, I feel I feel like he saw what Giannis did in Milwaukee. He stayed with the Bucks, won a title. You know, like maybe he's thinking he can do the same thing. But, I mean, like, we'll have to see. But um, my, my gut tells me Sixers don't get him. But if they do, Austin, I mean, it changes everything. So let me ask you this then. Is that 25% chance you saying that you don't think that he's going to get traded, but if he does get traded, they would be the favorites to get him? or that they would lose him to a different team? I think they'd be the favorites to get him because I feel like the Sixers have the most that they can offer the Blazers, in my opinion. Because, yeah. uh, um, I mean, listen, a lot of people, I get it. Ben Simmons, is he doesn't shoot jump shots. He's an awful free throw shooter and everything else. Ben Simmons is still a, he's still a top 25 player, uh, Austin, I, in my opinion. I feel like he still is. I know, I know it keeps going backward. It keeps going backward. But Ben Simmons, to me, is still one of, the, one of the more talented players in this league. I mean, at 25 years old, three-time All-Star, All-NBA third-team member in 2020, All-Defensive first-team member two years in a row. Um, like, there, there isn't a lot that he can't do. It's just the one thing that he can't do. There's such a glaring, glaring weakness, especially in today's game with the way it's played and everything. So, um, so I feel like if you can build a package around Ben and listen, I would throw Tyrese Maxey in there. I would throw in a cheesesteak in there. I would throw in whatever you need to bring um, Damian Lillard to Portland. Anybody outside of Joel Embiid, you can have, you can have it. Just bring in Dame Lillard. Um, and also another thing is Austin, assuming Lillard wants to go to a title contender out of all those teams, Philadelphia is the one that's most suited to go win a, win a title. Like, like they're the, the ones in the best position right now. I'll tell you this. I really think they're going to trade for him. I, okay. I, so, number one, yes, the whole the, – the, the, the big and massively important caveat here is does he want out? Because if he doesn't want out, the, the Blazers have no incentive to trade him. Um, and if he does want out, I think that's all the Sixers need to know. Um Here's my thing. I've, I've I've looked at the teams that have been rumored, and I've pinpointed a commonality. Part of it has been, you know, me looking around and talking to different people, um, and the part of it is me just looking with a highlighter and saying, like, what do these teams have in common? And it's that they have like a a big man that he can 
theoretically run a, a very good pick and roll with. And those are that that's the commonality amongst the four or five teams that have been rumored. And so I think the, the fit is perfect. Um, well, basically perfect. I mean, the defensive side of the ball isn't great, but it's still perfect pretty much on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and I, I, I think of the four or five teams rumored, the Sixers can blow away any package that's offered. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he wants to go to Boston. And I think the Blazers would have some concerns about like Jalen Brown's health. If they were yeah. Him. And I also just don't know like what those, um, you know, like, like what those picks would look like, I, I, or what, what those peripheral assets would look like. I think the Sixers can checkmate most of the star options, like unless it's Brandon Ingram or unless it's Pascal Siakam, the Sixers might have a problem there. But um, you know, they have Simmons that can offer. If it's peripheral pieces, they can. Um, they, they, they can go with Tyrese Maxey. They can go with T. Stiebel. They can go with, you know, Paul Reed, any of those guys. They have guys with, 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 with pretty interesting potential. And anytime you can sell, you know, you, you can say, well, we can give you this guy who we just named to all defense second team. That opens up ears. Um, and, you know, I also think that the picks, like the Sixers have a, a, a bevy of picks in the future that I think if you look at the teams that are involved in the rumors – if the Blazers are going to bet on somebody to have to undergo a rebuild in the next, you know, decade or or, or less, the Sixers are probably the team that's most likely to undergo that rebuild, and so those right. picks become all the more valuable. So I think, on paper, it's 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 the best field of assets that the Blazers can can get back. I also think that if, if Daryl knows, if if, if Daryl Morey knows that he's available, he's already missed Harden. Um, I don't know how close they were with with the with with the Lowry talks. Um, I suspect it was more about the money than 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 about the actual assets on the table to acquire Kyle Lowry. But they didn't get Kyle Lowry either, and then they they lost because their ball handler forgot how to play basketball. So they, they, they that's another, that's another strike against Daryl Morey. Um, and you know you can debate about the whether it was a, a personal vendetta that the Rockets didn't trade Harden to Philly, whatever. Um, but he already missed two. This is the big one. This is the one that he cannot miss. And I think he knows that. And I think for that reason, it would, if, if he's available, my suspicion is that he will be a sixer. The thing with Lowry was the Raptors wanted more draft compensation. Right. And, and the Sixers just, they weren't able to kind of give it up. That was according to Sam Amick over at the athletic. Well, I, I think it was they weren't able to make that up because they weren't willing to pay him that money. They, oh, the, yeah. The more that the more you give up in the trade, the more leverage the guy has in free agency, right? And so right. Gonna be, he's going to be holding you over, you know, uh, whatever you want to say, and you know, spanking you across the ass. So I mean, right, he's, right. he's going to own you, um, and they don't want to be in that position. I don't think. And no, probably not. I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't think they're going to sign, sign Lowry and free agency either because it would have been more financially responsible and more financially like feasible for them to do, to, to get him if they yeah. tried the deadline instead of trying to sign him out right in free agency. So I, I don't think he's going to be a sixer. Um, but I think he's going to be Lillard and they'll make some other moves around that. But I'm I don't want to say I'm ultra confident, but I think if Damian Lillard is available, I think he'll be in Philly.
No, listen, I mean, it, it makes sense because this is Daryl Morey we're talking about. You know, Morey is a guy who we all know is not afraid to pull the trigger on any big deal. Uh, I remember the biggest deal for me, Austin, when he was in Houston was outside, outside of um, like the big Westbrook and Paul trade was when he made that deal for Robert Covington in the middle of the night um, at the deadline in 29 or in uh, 2020 and, and said, Hey man, I'm going to make you our center. <laughs> like, I thought that was, I thought that was such a wild move to me. And um, if, you, if you recall, if you recall, he then traded him for two firsts. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Portland gave him two first round picks for Robert Covington. For Robert Covington, right. So, oh, I'm, I'm, God. Neil O'Shea was GMing for his job. That he was. He really was. <laughs> hey, man, you got, you got to love this league. You really do. I, I, like, I, I love the NBA more than anything. Would you have traded Covington for two firsts? No. That's <laughs> not true. Actually, I would. I would give up Covington for two firsts, but I'm not giving up two firsts for Covington. Is what I'm. Is what I mean. Like, I'm, no. Right. right. Um, what was I going to say? I'll tell you this. I think it's either going to happen. The trade for Ben is either going to happen in like the next week, or okay, in 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 the weeks leading up to, to camp, but. The sooner, the, the the deeper you get into the season, I think you're going to keep him. The only thing that kind of has me wondering is because Daryl has taken risks in the past, and in, in terms of high leverage players, like he traded Ray for Alston, who was starting for the Rockets back in like whatever it was, 07. Um, mm-hmm. and he traded him to to get Lowry, and it worked out. And that was sort of like his big moment that put him on the map around the NBA, um, right? By all accounts, I should say. And so, I think if anyone is it has good memories of trading a point guard in, in, in the middle of the season and having it work. It'd be him. But I just think the, the, like, show me the last time a team has traded their starting point guard and, and that won on the win title. Right. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to either happen now. It's, it, it's not now or never, but it's, I, I think it's either going to happen sooner or it's going to happen next, next off season. Um, that that's just me. Uh, Distinctive Drip Studios, I like that. Uh, says it's JD Oracle, great content, Austin. Thank you, appreciate that, JD. Um, next, we're going to go over to the offseason outlook. Kai, free agency. Um, I'll tell you this about the draft. I I'm not like getting invested in any kind of draft picks because I think Daryl's going to trade him. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, I, 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 they got the twenty eighth pick in the draft, so yeah. it's, it's not, it's not like the twenty eighth pick is going to come in here and like you know make such a huge impact or make a huge dent in the rotation for a championship or a team that's trying to win a championship like right now. So um, yeah, I could totally see Daryl trading this pick. So, but let's let's just play. I guess uh, I guess let's play a hypothetical game here. Um, like if you had like. I think three guys off the top of my head um, that I like at 28. Um, I do like Jared Butler a lot. I feel like Butler could be a guy who could be a, a, a guy, a player in the future. I like, a, I like AO Dasunmu from uh, Illinois. And I also like uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. So yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Jerry on, the, on no? this team. I mean, this is coming from a Villanova person. So, I mean, it's, you'd think I'd be all for it. Right. I mean, you're a Villanova alum, Austin. Come on. 
Right. But I, I gotta tell you, um, I just didn't, I don't think he's the right fit. I really don't. Okay. I, I, I think like he's, I know he's not much of a shooter. Like that's not, not a, like he. There, are, a lot of the issues he had in college was trying to get the ball close to the rim. Like he was missing a lot of his deep shots short, which does not inspire me much. But I also just think like, like he's like he's a he's a he's a fine playmaker, not big enough to play five. Um, he's like a little bit slow for four. Um, and he's not that great shooter. Like, what, what is his fit? And I, I, I don't see it. But I also just think that there are a lot of disincentives with um, Daryl Morey to draft rookies and keep them because Doc notoriously does not play rookies. Um, and so if you're angling for a trade for your for your second best player, per se, um, and you're looking at your, your, your ammo – you want to, you want my twenty eighth pick? Take it. Like just right. give me just give me Dame. Like give right, me, right. Give me never. Um, I also think this is possible. I think a three team deal with like Minnesota could happen, where like okay. Sixers are trading Ben and whatever the the Wolves are trading like picks plus just Anthony Edwards just to say, and then like you know, like like Ricky Rubio or whatever just to make the salary work. And if you then flip those assets to Portland, like where we have, we're giving you Minnesota's pick. We're giving you our pick. We're giving you the four, four picks in the future. We're giving you Tyree Smaxey. Um, we're giving you Anthony Edwards for Damian Lillard. That's a, that's a ridiculous. Wow. Wow. Hard deal. wow. 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 Okay. Okay. Now when you put it that way, that's a ridiculously hard deal to turn down. Even if you don't, even if Lillard doesn't request out, they won't do it because he has enough equity that if they don't want, it doesn't want to get traded. He won't. But I mean, that's a move where you're like, look, we can get you to a contender. We can get this back. Let's, but but is Minnesota giving up Anthony Edwards though? If they want Ben Simmons as bad as they say they do, they're going to have to give up Anthony Edwards. I don't think so. I, I mean, like okay, like the, I know Kendrick Perkins suggested this deal. I think oh Zach. My God. La 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 la. That name. Listen. Yeah. I, listen, I think I think Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks actually suggested this deal too. Like they, it was the same one as Perkins. And it was it was the the Russell and Beasley to Philly for Simmons deal, and I looked at it and at first I was like no absolutely not like I'm not doing that, but then I kind of thought about it and I was like I mean you obviously you obviously lose a lot on defense, um and it's just it, you, you lose a lot on defense if, if you do that, but Russell and Beasley the offensive fit next to Joel it, it would fit like a glove. The, but on the other end, all of a sudden you're putting a lot of pressure on Joel to like be this like superstar defender because Russell can't play defense and neither can Beasley. And then you probably have to start Matisse like at that point just to balance out the defense on the other end of the floor. And if Matisse comes back with some type of shot, because I mean Matisse is shooting pretty well, you know, so far in the Olympics for Australia, if he can bring that back to the Sixers would be huge. So just there's a lot to kind of consider in a in a in a in a potential Simmons deal. There's a lot to consider. Um yeah, I, I just think that the Sixers have a lot of different optionality that they can turn to. Like there was a trade oh, Daryl Morey word. A Daryl Morey word. That was, oh, okay. that was a pre-Daryl Morey. That was a that was a word they used. 
years back and it stuck with me. And I feel like half my head is like day job terminology. And then the other half of my head is just like Sixers terminology and NBA terminology. That's like, I don't know. There's not a lot of room for my own thoughts here. It's very cramped. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Rain. Um, but I just think that they have like with, with, with the, with the emergence of Thibault, with the emergence of, of Maxi, um, they have a little bit more optionality than they did say a year or two ago. Um, and I think those are things that they can flip in trades. Like, like, like if, uh, let's say they go, uh, I think this was written in an NBC sports Philly article. I forget by who, but I wanted to, I want to give them credit obviously. Um, but it was like, it was a really interesting idea. It was, Like Sacramento, Philly, Portland, Sixers get the Kings' ninth pick. Um, they get Dame, which is a really good return for this summer. <laughs> um, and they give up like Ben, George Hill, a bunch of firsts uh, to go to Sacramento. And then Sacramento trades like Tyrese Halliburton, um, some other stuff uh, to Portland to cover up the damn part of it. So right. I, but I think that the, like just, these are all examples of trades that you could make that you couldn't make before because you didn't have the assets and now you do. And it's a lot of flexibility the Sixers now have that I think opens the door for them to make some big moves this summer. Um, but that's my two cents on the draft. Um, free agency. I There's think not a lot they can do. What? There's not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. What do you think happens to Danny Green? I think you have to bring him back. I mean, I mean, like, like, listen. I know he ruffled the feathers of like every single Sixers fan and Philadelphian, you know, like, in, like in this city. Um, Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Who gives a damn? Danny Green helps his team a lot, and they missed him against Atlanta. And so, so I mean, like, like for all those people out there who are like, oh, we don't need Danny Green. Like, yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. They yeah, do. Yeah. They missed him a lot, um, and I think I think Furcon's gone. I think we've seen the last of Furcon. Um, I, I think I would probably bring back Dwight, uh, but just because it's kind of like like who else are you turning to to back up Joel? Like you can't turn to Paul Reed yet. Um, Do you think if they had like signed Sharich <laughs> off of free agency last summer, they would have won the Hawk series because they would have had a stretch five look? Could have played right. better, better together. I think there's a you can make a very good case they win the Hawk series if, if they if they signed Dario. It all comes back to Dario. It always comes back to Dario in the end. The homie, the homie. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, Austin. I mean, when you put it that way, yeah. I mean, they, they missed a guy who could kind of stretch the floor from the five spot, and they, that that brings Capella out of the paint a little bit more. Um, and they it's probably would have matched up. They probably would have matched up better. With Milwaukee, too, in my opinion, like, you know, moving on, looking ahead a little bit because of, you know, Brooke Lopez and everything else, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, sure, they could, they could have brought the homie back and then kind of run it, run it from there. But I, I think right now, I think you'd have to resign Dwight just because, I mean, again, who, who are you getting to back up, Joe? Um, I, I'm not trusting Paul Reed yet. I'm just not. I mean, and I feel like Paul Reed could have definitely used another year of polishing. And, you know, you could bring Dwight back and. Dwight can kind of continue to work with Reed and um, continue to be the backup to Joe. And then, and then you just, you go from there and, and then maybe just the next, the following year, Austin, then you turn to Reed and be like, okay, can you be the backup to Joe? But I feel like next year you, you got to bring Dwight back. So, so 
I think they would love to bring Danny back. I have a sneaking sense that they can't afford to bring him back. Probably because all they have is minimum contracts. And I think the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is like what? 5.9 mil. I don't even remember what they have. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think they can afford, I think like because of the bird rights, they can bring him back and it doesn't like hurt their salary cap situation. Right. Um, but you're right. They don't have a ton of room. I don't think they bring back Dwight just because I think like you can get like a guy, you could get like Dwayne Dedman, just hypothetically. I mean, Dedman could honestly be a little bit better. I mean, I thought Dedman did play well for the Heat. Um, I thought Dedman was like one of the few Heat players that actually played well in the Buck series, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but like this, I, I feel like Dwight though. I don't know. I just want to cover Dwight in person. <laughs> I just want to cover Dwight. <laughs> that's, I, th- I think that's a media member in me being selfish. and I, I want one season of in-person Dwight because we didn't get a chance this year because of Zoom and everything. But now that the Zoom is going to be gone, like, I want I want one season of in-person Dwight. <laughs> Are they gonna, you think they're going to the draft stuff? They're going to have, like, those Zooms for that instead of dragging everybody to, to, this, to, to the practice building? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like uh, – I mean, my guess, my guess would probably be virtual still, but I mean, I'm I'm, ho- I'm hoping that like you know we can get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see there. How about a couple? Well, here's one name for you that I think is an interesting one. Because Daryl said in Doc's, I think I can't remember if it was Daryl or Doc, but one of them said we wished we weren't as small or whatever behind Tobias once Tobias came out of the game. Yeah, right. And and that that's another one too. Like they, they definitely need to kind of try to find some size there because I mean you Mike Scott's gone. We know that. They, they, you can't bring Mike Scott back. I heard he might retire. I can see that. Or like go overseas. If we retire from the NBA, go overseas, but maybe I'm wrong. Um Rudy Gay. Oh I mean if you can get Rudy Gay, he'd be a huge addition. He'd, he'd be a very backup, nice addition. Backup small four. And not just that, though. I mean, Rudy Gay can score. Like, Rudy Gay can still oh, yeah. Rudy Gay can still put the ball in the basket. Yeah. Like, I, I thought just, he I I thought played pretty well for the Spurs. I think with like, the emergence of, like, Keldon Johnson and uh, uh, Devin Vassell, the Spurs yeah. don't really have a spot for Gay. They should be trying to develop their young guys instead of giving minutes to Rudy Gay. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So I mean that's just a name that I, I I think would be an interesting name um to look at. But um what are some guys you have in mind that you've thought of? I have, here's the thing though, I haven't even looked into free agency because it's like they they don't have any money. They just they they don't have anybody to where you're where you're like, oh yeah, they can make an impact like in free agency or something. Like for me, if the Sixers are going to make an upgrade to this roster, which we both know they have to in order to really move forward, um, it's got to be through trade. Yeah. It's got to be through yeah. trade because free agency – I don't believe the Sixers will make a minor move, as you mentioned. I mean, listen, if you bring in Rudy Gay, great, because that, that's a minor move that could give the bench a boost. But, like, that, like Rudy Gay isn't going to kind of be like, yo, I'm, put, I'm putting the Sixers in the, in the NBA finals n- next year. Like, no, you're, you're going to have to – you're going to have to ma- make an addition, like, through trade. And – like I will say this, Austin. Like if they come back with the same roster next year, uh, I, I don't, I don't, 
I don't have them really getting past round two again. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, I don't think they can come back with the same roster next year. I just, they just can't. I don't think. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't think you can do that because I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, okay, you can just rely on internal improvement," and it's like you can't do that with Ben Simmons when we have seen the same story with this guy yeah. now for five years as as talented as or four years I should say as talented as this guy is and as size and skilled as he is is literally been the same script like this isn't a one-time thing this is a trend we've seen the same thing with him over the past four years and uh, I know listen I know everybody out there is so sick and tired of the Ben Simmons is in the gym working out report <laughs> like, I, get it. I, I, I saw that tweet yesterday I was like Kai you thirsty man you sweet <laughs> engagement needing man I loved it. I loved it. I love all the replies I've gotten to that tweet. It is the funniest thing to me, just reading angry Sixers fans. Be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember the first night I covered, and you were like right next to me when this happened, but Grasso was like, oh, they're, look, well, your first time covering, there, you have to get the, the, the ceremonial. Um, ben Simmons is warming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shooting three is video. And I was like, look, I don't need that. <laughs> um but I, I am Pooh Mines. I do like this idea, Kelly Olenek. I think that would be an interesting one. Is Olenek a free agent? Is Olenek a free agent? He is, right? Because I think it was a four-year deal in Miami. And then, you know, obviously he got traded to Houston. So, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Olenek would be solid. Yeah, Olenek, I mean. Olenek would be a solid addition. Yeah. Um, and, but, I mean. I feel like he kind of priced himself outside of their market, given the way that he played in Houston. I think he averaged something like preposterous. Like preposter- he played really well in Houston. Like, if we're going to be completely honest with you, yeah, I agree. I mean, that man plays like, so I mean, well in Houston. And he was like 16-something points per game in Houston, and I was like, damn, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just cooking for a bad team. Just right, right. All right, Kai, where can they, uh, where can they find you? You guys can uh, find all my work over at SixersWire.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Kai underscore Carlin. It's the same thing on Instagram as well if you want to hit me up on there. And uh, you can also check out my podcast, The Bell Ringer, over um, over on Sixers Wire as well. His Instagram is merely just pictures of, of, of his different media endeavors. It's literally just like an, an, an overflowing stream of, of Kai's beat writing experiences. So it, It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, awesome. We have the best job in the world, man. <laughs> That's right, we do. That's right, we do. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Kai, as always, thank you, my friend. We'll be back soon, hopefully, with some news. Um, and we'll have more talk about uh, sometime in the near future. The season is winding down now, so we need something to break so we have something to discuss here. We um, as always, everybody, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time for a new episode of the Feed to Embiid. Have a good night, everybody.